Hello, welcome to Torah Imecha Parsha. My name is Michal Horowitz, and today we will be studying Parshas Vayishlach. So, as is a, a common theme in the uh, Parshios in Sefer Barishis, a lot happens in Parshas Vayishlach. I will just give you the Parsha overview of this very famous and very dramatic Parsha. In Prakim Lamed Beis Sulamed Gimel, we have the confrontation, if you will, between Yaakov and Esav after 20 years at the home of Lavan. His father-in-law, Yaakov, is finally returning to the land of Canaan. He is afraid that Esav, who wanted to kill him when he left for stealing the brachos, if you recall in Perach of Zion, is going to want to kill him now. So by now he doesn't, he's not alone as when he ran away, he has his wives, he has his 12 sons. Actually, no, at this point he has his 11 sons, Benjamin is not yet born, he has Dina, and he is very afraid that Esau will slaughter him and his family after all this time. Yaakov prepares for this meeting in three ways. He sends gifts of appeasement in the form of many, many animals and flocks, to Esau, his brother, he sends messengers with words of peace. He divides his family into two camps. If Esau hits this camp, then this camp will be saved. And finally, he prays, he davens. We have the famous fight with the Malach on the river Yabok, the superpower, the heavenly power, if you will, of Esau Harasha. Yaakov emerges limping, but not defeated. He undergoes a name change. He will now be called Yisrael. We have the historic meeting between Esau and Yaakov. Esau does not kill Yaakov, as Yaakov fears. Everybody leaves the meeting healthy and well. At the end of Paraglam and Gimel, Yaakov finds himself back in the land of Canaan. Paraglam and Dalad is the story of Dina and Shechem, which will be the focus of our podcast today. Paraglam and Hey of note is that Rachel dies as she births Binyamin. She is buried in Kever Rachel. She names her son Ben-Oni as her soul is departing, the son of my pain. His father renames him Binyamin, the son of my right hand, the son of my strength. Also in Paraglam and Hey, Yitz Chakavinu dies. And finally, the parsha closes in Paraklamid Vav with the Torah listing the family of Esav. Uh, for today's podcast, we are going to be focusing on Perak Lamid Dalat. So what I'm going to do is just give you an overview of the pshat of this parak. This parak is 31 psukim lamid alif psukim long. Matetze dina basleya Yaakov, of course, ultimately has 12 sons and one daughter. Matetze dina basleya asha yalda liyakov liros bivnos haaretz. And dina, the daughter of Leah that was born to Yaakov, goes out to see the daughters of the land. And who should see her but Shem, the son of Hamor, the Chivi, the prince of the land, and he takes her and he lays with her and he violates her. And his soul clings to Dina, the daughter of Yaakov, and he loves this girl very much and he speaks to her heart. And Shem says to Hamor, his father, take me this girl for my wife. And Yaakov Avinu hears that his daughter Dina has been defiled. And his sons were out with the flocks in the field. And Yaakov is silent until his sons come home. And Chomar, the father of Shechem, comes to Yaakov to speak to him. And the sons of Yaakov come home from the field when they hear. And they are very sad. And they are very angry. Because an abomination has been committed in Israel to lie with a daughter of Yaakov. Such a thing shall not be done. And Chomar speaks to them saying, My, da- my son Shechem, his soul desires your daughter. Give her to us as a wife. Not only that, the hischatnu osanu. Wow, intermarry with us. Binosechem titnu lanu. Give us your daughters. Vespinosenu tichulacham. And our daughters take for yourself. Vitanu teshu. You will dwell with us. Va 
the land will be before you. Sit in our land, do business in the land, acquire property. And Shechem says to her father, meaning to Yaakov, and to her brothers, the father and the brothers of Dina, if I find favor in your eyes, whatever you say, I shall do, I shall give. So in other words, they want Dina so badly and they want into a marriage and um, positive relations so badly that they are willing to do whatever the family of Yaakov wants. And the sons of Yaakov answer them with trickery, the ones who profaned, who defiled Dina, their sister. We cannot do this. We cannot intermarry with you because we cannot give our sister to a man who is uncircumcised. It is an insult, an embarrassment to us. So if you do this, we will acquiesce to you. If you'll be like us, if you shall circumcise every male, then we will give our daughters to you. And your daughters we will take to us. We will dwell with you, says the sons of Yaakov. If only you acquiesce and become circumcised like us, then we will undergo this whole plan of assimilation. We will assimilate. It will be a melting pot. We will be one people. But if you do not listen to us to do brismila, we will take our daughter and we will go. And the matter was good in the eyes of Hamar and in the eyes of Shechem ben Hamar. And they did not delay And they come to the people of the city and they say to the people of the city, they tell them this deal. These people, shalem doesn't only mean peaceable with us, it means whole. Shalom is peace. Shalem is whole. These people are whole. They are complete. They are trustworthy, these Jewish people. And if we only do this, then we will be able to do business with them and dwell with them and intermarry if we all have bris mila. And they listen. All the people of the city listen. And every male has a circumcision. And it was on the third day that they were in pain. And the two sons of Yaakov, Shimon and Levi, the brothers of Dina, take their swords and they come to the city with stealth and they kill out every male. They kill Hamar, they kill Shechem's son by the sword. And they take Dina from the house of Shechem and they leave. When they come home, Yaakov says to them, what have you done? You have made me odious amongst the inhabitants of the land. And they answer, and this is the last pasuk in Paragramadalat, shall our sister be made into a harlot. How do we understand this? If they were planning to kill the people of the city, why did they make themselves out to seem like shalem, people of wholesomeness, shalom, people of peace, why did they go in stealth? Why did they destroy the whole city? Why not just kill Shechem and Hamar? Why not kidnap Dina back? Why resort to seemingly unnecessary, seemingly unnecessary violence and slaughter the entire city? And people don't understand this. And people think Jews are dishonest. People read the Bible and they think, look how dishonest the family of Jacob is. Look how scheming. Look how sly, look how conniving, look how dishonest the Jews are. How do we understand this? I'm going to quote uh, from a shir of Soloveitchik that was given in 1968, where the Rav Zatzal addresses these very ideas, and I think this is a very important shir, or I wouldn't be sharing it with you. What does it mean, b'noseichem titnu lanu? Give us your sons, your daughters, take our sons, our daughters, sit with us in the land, we'll do business together, we'll be one people. What does it mean, says Rav Salvechik, quote, 
means complete assimilation. And then when Shechem and Hamar speak to the citizen, to the residents of Shechem, there's only one difference. What's the difference between Yaakov and his family and the people of the city of Shechem? How many people were there? Yaakov, 12 sons, one Dina, 13 people. Yaakov, okay, Leah, Rachel, a few more. Shechem, thousands of inhabitants, of residents. How can there be a partnership, says Osalvage? It's impossible. In such a case where there's a clear minority and a majority, the minority will become integrated into the majority. The majority prevails. The minority assimilates completely into the majority. And Arab Salvechik says, and I quote, that's why people do not understand the idea of Shechem. There are many questions I have heard. Bible critics attack why we wiped out the people of Shechem. But why was it necessary, says Arab Salvechik? Shechem was a question of survival for the Jews. Either to survive is the community founded by Avram Avinu, a community destined to become a goy gadol, a great nation, or to disappear. The family of Yaakov was threatened here with extinction. They would disappear. They would be wiped off the map. So Beitrach explains that we do not understand when they come against us with physical threats, with physical attacks with a physical threat to push us into the sea and wipe us off the map, so we understand we have to fight back. But when they come against us with a spiritual attack, with too much friendship, we'll marry each other, we'll live in the same towns, we'll do business, we'll be best friends, we'll eat at your house, you'll eat at our house, we'll drink the same wine, we'll eat the same meat. You're 13 people, fine, says Salvechik, a few more, plus the wives. What would happen to Yaakov and his family? Complete assimilation. And this is Salvechik means that Yaakov and his family will be wiped off the map. It is the same, says Rav Salvejik, meaning the threat is the same, whether we are talking about physical destruction or spiritual destruction, extermination. That is why Yaakov's sons fought. They couldn't help themselves. And if you fight, you must use the element of surprise, the tactic of surprise. Rav Salvejik is explaining that people do not understand. And sometimes the Ma'isa Torah Jews, Rahman do not understand the story of what the Bnei Yaakov did when they slaughtered all the people in Shechem. How could this be? How could he slaughter them? Because it was a question of survival of Am Yisrael, in the most literal sense, Am Yisrael, the nation founded by Avram Yitzchak, and here, Yaakov Avinu, who already has his name changed. And when they come against us to destroy us physically, so we know what they want to do, so we fight back. When they come to destroy us spiritually, Rahman al-Islan, very often we do not appreciate or recognize or respond appropriately to the threat of spiritual extermination. And I want to tell you something else, says Rosalvechik. Who committed the crime? A crime is committed by one individual, Shechem ben Hamar. And apparently the Achei Dina, the brothers of Dina, considered the entire town hostile to the family and household of Yaakov. Why? Says Rosalvechik, if one commits a crime and the community does not ostracize him, or one preaches bigotry and hatred and the community does not condemn him, does not try to eliminate that bigotry and hatred, a conspiracy of silence is just as bad as a conspiracy of action. I will repeat that. A conspiracy of silence is just as bad as a conspiracy of action. So here Dina was taken and she was raped and she was clearly violated and nobody did anything and nobody spoke up and they knew that there was something inappropriate being done in the town. And so Salvagic says they were just as guilty as if they had violated her, as if they had raped her, as if they raped her, I'm sorry, as if they had been the ones to commit the crime. Why? 
Because it was not only Shechem ben Chamor the Chivi who was guilty. It was the whole town who was guilty. A conspiracy of silence is just as bad as a conspiracy of action. Or Salvechuk brings this down, Rahman al-Islan, to more modern times. This happened in Germany. Do you think, says the Rav, all Germans were Nazis? Oh no, I lived in Germany for so many years. They were very decent people. I never encountered in the university in Germany anti-Semitism. Relationships between professors and students between students, it was amicable. What happened? What happened was what they tolerated. They tolerated Hitler. And after tolerating it for a while, he finally converted an entire people into a nation of Nazis. Tolerance towards evil is just as bad as evil itself. How many anti-Semites were there in Germany in the 20s? A small group. But no one, says the Rav, tried to eliminate Hitler and the Nazi party. No one ostracized them. They said tolerance. If you practice tolerance, you allow Hitler to preach extermination of the Jew until everybody is convinced. And this, he explains, is why the whole town needed to be annihilated. Because if you tolerate evil and you stand idly by, and no one speaks up for the truth, for justice, for morality, for the downtrodden, for the victim, and soon the entire society will become corrupt. Today, when we look at the world around us, it's a strong comment. It's a strong teaching. Chazal tells us that everything's in our Torah. Here's the blueprint. It's not enough to condemn evil. It's not enough to stand silently by. Do not stand idly by. Dam, dome, has a double meaning. It means blood, dalad man, precious kadoshim. And it means silence. And therefore you can translate in two ways. Do not stand by your brother's blood and do not stand silently while your brother's blood is being shed. And this is why, says the Rambam, quoting of Salvechik, in Paraktes of Hilchos Malachim, This is why the entire town of Shechem deserved execution. Because one person, Shechem ben Chamor, committed an act of robbery, kidnapping, rape, violation. But they saw the evil. They knew about the evil. And they did nothing. So any question you want to ask, concludes the Rav, address it to the Rambam. And this is true. When evil Rahman al-Sun is being perpetrated and done, we have to stand up. We have to speak the MS. We have to speak the truth. We cannot stand idly by while perversions are being perpetrated and fallacies are being accepted. Thank you for learning with me. I wish you a wonderful week, a wonderful Shabbos. And Ba'azrat Hashem, Torah Imecha Parsha will continue next week. Call to.